podcast. This is Pastor Manning. Over the next three days, we are going to be going into a message that is entitled, The Message of the Message. This was originally preached as one sermon on the 15th of April at Lighthouse Baptist Church at 2032 Cedar Hill Road in Lancaster, Ohio. It deals with the inscription that was written above the cross of Jesus Christ. We are told that that inscription was written in Hebrew, in Greek, and in Latin. Over the next three days, we'll be dealing with each of those as they came in the sermon. We'll be dealing with Hebrew, and there was a subtitle to that, Let It Be Written Among the People of God. Then we'll be dealing with Greek, and under that, the subtitle, Let It Be Written Among the Philosophers, Educators, and Intellectuals. And then the subtitle, the next under Latin, the subtitle under that, let it be written among the governors and rulers of the earth. As we go from this introduction, we will be going into the sermon as it was preached live at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And so, at this time, we're going to join what was the beginning of that message, entitled, The Message of Messages, Part 1 of it, Hebrew, Let It Be Written Among the People of God. On chapter 19... John chapter 19, tonight, earlier today, I uh, did a podcast on It Is Finished and uh, had that going, and tonight uh, I want to talk to you out of the same chapter, different subject, but in John chapter 19, let's look in verse 19, and uh, please follow along as I read aloud. It says, and Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate apparently had enough of them by that point. He had given in to him on several things. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. And they dropped it. Apparently they knew they'd pushed this Roman governor as far as he was going to go. And I'm not saying he was a man of conviction, but he was he was tired. And uh, they wanted it to say, he said I'm the king of the Jews. But Pilate wrote, the king of the Jews. And uh, tonight I want to talk to you about the subject of the message of the message. The message of the message. Now, where Christ was crucified outside of Jerusalem was a place where travelers of all types would come by. And because this message was written in three different languages, and the most used languages in that region of the world at that time, anybody who came by who could read would have been able to read the insignia and what was written there on that uh, placard, if you will, above Jesus Christ. And uh, this was, uh, Pilate was attempting to belittle and mock with that thing. Uh, it, it did a couple of things, really, as far as what Pilate would have tried to get across. First of all, he was saying, this man's the king of the Jews, and look what's happening to him. Um, the other thing is, he basically, the false charges, if you boil them down, the false charges on which Jesus was being prosecuted were treason and making himself to be a king, therefore being a threat to Caesar's authority. And so this is also a way for Pilate to ingratiate himself to Caesar. 
to the powers above above Pilate, to the, the political powers, by saying, here, this fellow was getting big crowds to himself, and people said he was going to be the deliverer. Well, deliverer of what? I mean, if you're Roman, you're looking at that. The Romans occupied Israel. The Romans, you know, the Israelites were under them. So if someone comes along, people say he's a deliverer, all you can figure is he's going to try to deliver these people from Roman bondage. I mean, they wouldn't have understood anything beyond that. And, and so Pilate, by doing this, he's trying to make a point and he's trying to score points with those who are his superiors by taking Caesar's side through all this. You remember one of the things that turned Pilate when he, was, uh, he was, uh, seemed to be determined. In fact, the Bible says he was determined to let Jesus go. His determination did not last very long. But when he did that, if you remember what the priest said to Pilate, was this, they said, if thou release this man, thou art not Caesar's friend. And so you have this whole political agenda going on behind the scenes. And uh, it's interesting, you always have political agendas and that. And people think that's what everything's about, but it's not. What was going on was a great battle and would be a great victory in the spiritual world that Christ was going to bring about. But here Pilate had that written on there in Hebrew and Greek and in Latin, which means it had to be a pretty good size, pretty good size placard, the King of the Jews. And he had that on there. But I want to talk to you about that thing, about the message of the message. Uh, the, even though Pilate was, a, uh, was obviously uh, attempting to deride or uh, make fun of or run down Christ here, the message was true. Now, I mentioned that in passing in the message I preached a couple weeks ago on unintended testimonies. Uh, but he, the message was true. This is the king of the Jews. But the languages in which that message was written say something about the message itself. And that's the focus I'm going to give you tonight are these three languages in which it was written. And something that reveals to us about the message that was there. A message which came out of a heart of derision from Pilate, but was still the truth coming out. That Jesus is the King of the Jews. I'll well, we pray together and then we'll get into this. Father, thank you so much. I love midweek service. Appreciate it a lot. Thank you for these folks. I pray you'll bless them tonight. And uh, God, may we have your hand upon what's done. May we behave in such a way. May our hearts be in such a place that that can be done and that you can be pleased to, to just tabernacle among us tonight. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we'll get a little water. Nothing worse than dry preacher. You say, yes, there is. It's a long winded preacher. Drier you are, the longer the wind can go sometimes. You have three different languages. Look at the passage here. In what three languages was was it written? And they give it to me in the order it gives it. First one was what? Hebrew. Who who was the Hebrew language? What people was that? Jewish people. It's the Hebrew language. Then what was the next language? Greek. And then the third language was? Okay. I want to give you these things. First of all, about the languages and about the message of the message because of the language. First of all, let me say with the Hebrew, and I put this statement down, I put a state, similar statement on each of them. When I thought of the Hebrew language and this message being written in Hebrew language, I thought this statement, let, let it be written among the people of God. Uh, Pilate in so many words said, let it be written here. And he came down, of course, when they went to change it, and he said, what I've written, that I've written. But he, he said, let it be written among the people of God. And I got to think about that, and I thought, you know, those who possess the oracles of God, interesting study if you ever study the word oracle, uh, the oracles of God deal with the word of God, and it also deals with the most holy place. It's called the oracle of God. 
Now, if you go into Greek philosophy and you go into the pantheon of gods, Greek mythology and Roman mythology to follow after it, you will find, uh, for instance, in the Greek times, they talked about the oracle of Delphi. What was that? That was someone who was supposed to be able to see the future, figure things out. And often these were, were devil-possessed uh, people who, who would do things much like fortune tellers and such would do nowadays. And, uh, but yet, what the oracles of God actually are, and what the devil seeks to imitate at times, is the word of God, and it is God's, God's words given uh, out and preserved to God's people. The Jewish people had the word of God. Paul said it this way. He said, then what profit is there to the Jew? He said, much in every way. And he says in that statement, for it was committed unto them the oracles of God. They were the people who were given the written word of God and they were preserved it, they copied it, and they kept it all down through generations and centuries until it could come to fruition in the life of Jesus Christ, till He could fulfill all of the Old Testament. And then what would happen is we today are possessors of the uh, oracles of God. Thank God I have a King James Bible and this Old Testament from the Masoretic uh, text and, and, and from the right lineage that it came from, that's a lineage uh, of text which has been preserved by Almighty God Himself. Amen. Done through the people, down through the ages. And, and, and so, uh, so what happens, uh, let it be written among the people of God. The people came up there and the Hebrews, no matter... Generally speaking, unless they were taken away at a very young age, but when the Hebrew people were scattered into other languages, they retained their uh, other lands where they spoke other languages, they would retain the Hebrew language. They would have been able to attend a synagogue or something like that uh, in, in anywhere and hear the, the Old Testament read and they would know what they were hearing. Let it be written among the people of God that Jesus is the King. Uh, you say, well, preacher, that seems pretty obvious. No, no, it's really not. Jesus is the king. It's amazing. If you would imagine that your heart is somewhat the throne of your life, someone sets up. And I'll tell you who most often does. It's the person. But Christ is the one that's supposed to be on that throne. And this Hebrew language, what was it? This was the oracles of God. Now, what, what is to be written to God's people? That Jesus is indeed the king of the Jews. Not a king like Saul was. Not a king like David was. And not a king like Solomon was. Now here's something I got today, and I thought it was pretty interesting as I was studying this out. He is not a king. First king of Israel was who? Saul. King Saul. After him followed who? David, after him followed who? Who followed after him? Okay, the kingdom split after him under under uh, Rehoboam. But they, uh, and then it split. And then all the Boeing boys came after that. But you have those kings. Now, hold on. Saul was a king. David was a king. Solomon was a king. Jesus is the king. Now, what's interesting about this, when he wrote and said, the king of the Jews... Pilate had already examined Jesus about this. He had come to Jesus and Pilate asked him when he was examining him, he said, Art thou then the king of the Jews? That's what that's the when, when the Jewish people brought him and the leaders brought Jesus under these charges, they said he's proclaimed himself to be king. So they're bringing him up, trying to bring him up, bringing him up on charges of treason. 
And Pilate asked Jesus, said, Art thou then king? And Jesus said, Thou sayest it. So why do you answer it that way? Because he cannot deny himself. He said, Thou sayest it. Now hold on a minute. Watch this. This is really neat. Jesus is the king of the Jews. But you have to understand something. The kings that had been before Saul, David, and all the those kings, starting with the very first king, Saul, the first king, Saul, was a man that was set up over Israel because Israel had rejected God as being their king. Now, follow this second. Israel was a theocracy. God ruled Israel. He ruled Israel because there were judges that took the written word of God and made sure the nation operated according to the written word of God. So God's words were being directly used to run the nation. It's called the theocracy in, in doctrinal terms. That, you won't find that term in the Bible. But it's the idea that God ruled over them. When Samuel anointed Saul to be king, God said that the reason it was happening was because Israel had rejected God from being their king and instead wanted someone else to be their king. And in fact, the Bible says that the reason why they wanted to have an earthly king is because Israel, God's unique nation, that nation that he birthed out of Egypt, they said, we want to be like all the other nations. They wanted to fit in. Now let me show you some things about this. Look back in the Bible at uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10. Uh, the king is God. And that's the one that Israel had rejected. First, uh, first Samuel. Did I say Samuel? Alright, got it right. First Samuel chapter 10. I'm talking about different kings. I'm talking about the book of Samuel. I didn't know what I said right there for a moment. First Samuel 10. Look in verse 17. Samuel's the prophet. He anointed both Saul and David to be king. Verse 17, And Samuel called the people together unto the Lord to Mizpah. It's a place. And said unto the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all the kingdoms and of them that oppress you. And ye have this day rejected your God who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations, and ye have said unto him, unto your God, Nay, but set a king over us. God, we don't want you. We want a king. Do you remember when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and when the golden calf was made while Moses was up on the mountain? Here's what the people said to Aaron. They said, Make us a captain to take us back into Egypt. For as this Moses, we want not what is becoming. Then they made the golden calf and said, Here, O Israel, behold your God. God's plural, actually. And what ended up happening was, when these earthly kings were set up, God said it was because Israel had rejected him from being king. They didn't want to do it God's way they wanted to fit in with all the other nations. Now hold on. Watch what happens with this. I'm showing you something here. Look in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Jump back a couple of chapters. Get 
watch out hay around here. You get some camp meeting preaching and you'll get some doctor to learn too if you're not careful. If you're not real careful, you'll, you'll learn some Bible along the way. 1 Samuel 8, look in verse 5. Well, let's begin verse 4. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and to Ramah. Ramah, again, is a place. And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Samuel's sons did not turn out for the Lord. And he said, Your sons are not walking in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us. Look at the end of the verse. Like what? All the nations. They weren't supposed to be like all the nations. They were supposed to be different. And God's people always get in trouble when they don't want to be unique. They want to act like God's people. They want to blend in and just fit in and go along with whatever's going on. They always end up in trouble with it. i got a lot I could say right there, and I'll wait for wisdom and judiciousness when just maybe say with some things I need to say. Uh, right now is not a good idea. Look in, uh, look in verse 19 of chapter 8. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us. You see that self-willed action there? We will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations. Scripture said more than one place, What nation is like unto Israel? God called Israel his first begotten son. Referred to as, as, as a son. I've called my son out of Egypt. Not only refers to a prophecy about Christ, but also refers to the nation of Israel. You can track it back exactly with what was going on there. They said no. Look at verse 20. That we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. They want a man to fight their battles and not God. Isn't that amazing? Now, you want something that will really, absolutely, if you've still got a mind after these last few weeks in our country, it will blow what mind you have left. You ready for this? When Saul gets anointed king, do you know what's the first thing the people say? Ready for this one? Ready for this? It's amazing. God saved the king. That's a bit ironic, isn't it? We don't want God over us. We want a king. We don't want God fighting our battles. We want a king to fight our battles. King gets anointed. God save our king. Oh, well, why can't he save himself? So let it be written among the people of God what that God wanted to rule over them, but yet they said, no, we'll, we'll have a king. Oh, but guess who will come and who will sit on the throne of David? Jesus. God who came in the flesh. And guess when there will be a thousand year reign? Oh, it's when God reigns again. Guess in the new heaven and new earth where dwelleth righteousness when there's finally peace. Guess who's in charge there? Seems like God's way might have just been best all the way around, huh? All right, so that's the... Thank you for being with us today on the podcast and join us tomorrow for part two of the message of the message.